Oh, man. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, I know some people maybe join us online because you're not feeling well, but it's good to be in your house of the Lord as well. Uh, it's good to be uh, gathered together in his name. And so um, it is a little different. I do feel a little bit different not being able to come up here right after worship and all those other things. But I know that the Lord, his word is in season, right? His, his word does not return void. It, it accomplishes what it's set out to do. And so it doesn't have to be in the same order. And so I am excited to give you a good word this morning. Uh, we are still on this theme. If you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this word deliverance. And that might seem like a big, scary word. I, I told you, maybe it's not for you, but it did for me. It seemed like this big, heavy, serious uh, conversation about deliverance. And there is an element that it is serious, that it is very spiritual and deep. But there's also an element that it needs to be something that we welcome and something that becomes normal. It becomes part of the gospel. It becomes something that becomes part of our life, that I am delivered to be a deliverer. Amen. Is that you? Have you been delivered from your sins? Yes. And you are to bring that good news everywhere you go. And so I love that, that we have an opportunity to be like Moses and all these biblical heroes, that they brought deliverance to other people. And so I'm praying that this just becomes a common theme, a common word. Um, I shared a few Sundays ago that I would love for Osborne to have a deliverance ministry. And I think for me and other people, we think of a specific idea of what that means, right? Just casting out demons, which that includes that. But I think it's also just the idea of, where there is influence from the enemy in my life or sin that I'm not 100% free from that easily entangles me or trips me up and I'm not running my race at full pursuit. And I'm saying, I want to be delivered from anything that slows me down. I wanna be delivered from anything that's blocking all of God's blessing and all of his truth and all of his love just flowing into my life fully. Is that making sense? So I just want to be delivered from anything, from everything that's hindering me. And so this idea, hopefully it's not as scary anymore as it was maybe a few weeks ago. Um, and there has been deliverance. I just, I don't want to go over a lot, but even last Sunday as we spent time in worship, man, people are being delivered from fears of driving, from um, fears of all kinds of things, from uh, physical ailments. Someone else was, uh, got prayed for, they were, had a fear of being blessed anymore. I've given the testimony in my own life that when I was in college, I, I knew the scripture and it said, to whom much is given, much is required. And I looked at my life and I had a godly family. I had a good godly heritage. I had good things in my life. And I was like, wait a second. That means I have a lot that I'm responsible to do with all these things. And as a college student, I was like, wait a second. God, would you, st I prayed this prayer. I will never pray it again, but I prayed this prayer when I was a college student. God, stop blessing me because I was so scared of all that was required of me. And there was someone that actually came last Sunday that was along the same vein. They were, their eyes were being opened to how good their life was and they were saying, ah, oh, stop blessing me. And I, I got to share my testimony with them and say, no, we are not praying that any longer. And just to see the joy come over them that they got to be a blessing. And so anyways, I'm just giving you examples. God is delivering us. Um, and so I'm excited to keep this theme going uh, because it's not my idea. I would have moved on if it was up to my own thinking, my own flesh. But God has another word this morning. And so um, we're going to look at Acts chapter 12. If you want to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 12 or grab the Bible in the pew in front of you or open up your apps, or you can do both and join me as I think I have some of the uh, verses on the screen behind me. Um, but we're going to look at seven elements of deliverance from Acts 12. So seven, if you're taking notes, it'd be great to write down those seven different points I'm going to highlight. Seven, seven elements that 
contribute to our deliverance. And before I get into that, I even want to say this. Um, I've shared this before, right? That who here has been saved from your sins? You're going to heaven. Praise God, I've been saved from my sins. Who here one day is going to be saved from this earth and taken up to heaven? So I am saved and I will be saved. And who here is in the process of being saved? <laughs> right? It's, it's the same thing. So I, I uh, 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 just say the same thing about saving as deliverance. I've been delivered. I've been healed. But I still need deliverance in my life. I mean, until I get to heaven, I'm in this process of being delivered from more and more things, from new things I didn't even know I needed deliverance from. So that's why I just want to make it sure that it's not just for those people out there that have demons. That's what we're talking about. It's us, you and me, that we're talking about today, that I am inviting deliverance into my life. I want to be delivered. And so we're going to look at Peter in Acts chapter 12. And before I even jump into that, I got lots of prefaces this morning. Um, do you guys remember our theme for this year, the vision that I had for this year? Prepare your hearts and minds for action. That um, comes from 1 Peter 13, uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 13. And uh, actually in the New King James, that prepare your hearts and minds for action is actually the pa passion translation. Um, but New King James, which is my Bible, what I often read the most out of, um, it says, gird the loins of your mind and be sober-minded. Gird the loins of your mind. What does that mean? And so that's actually how I got to Acts chapter 12. Um, okay, I'll jump into it. This word gird, oh, I don't know if I have it all in the Greek. Let's see if I, I have lots of notes up here. Uh, I didn't write it down. But there, I know this. This specific word is only referenced three times in the New Testament, that word gird. So yes, we have it in 1 Peter 1.13. Peter, this is about, this is towards the end of his life when he's writing this. He's telling the church, he's telling you and me to gird. What does that mean, gird? Let's go back again. So the first time you see it is actually in John chapter 21. All three references are Peter. Jesus tells Peter, he says, oh, I have it here. Let me just read it to you. Um, ba, 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 ba. Let me find it. Most, this is Jesus talking to Peter. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. What does this gird mean? I think we have an idea by reading this, but I want to I understand it more. So we have 1 Peter 1.13, towards the end of Peter's life. This is John 21, the beginning of Peter's ministry. Jesus is about to be ascended and not see him anymore. And then you have Acts chapter 12, where we have this word again. And I'm just going to leave that as kind of a cliffhanger. We're going to get there. But Peter is in the story all three times where we get this word gird. And I'll give you just a really quick, some definitions of gird. And then we'll get to where it is in Acts chapter 12. Uh, let me find it. So it means to encircle with a belt. So the idea, we've talked about this before in the Old Testament. This is one of my favorite times of gird, where God shows up to Job. Right? This is towards the end of the story of Job. Job's gone through all these problems. Everything good in his life has been stripped from him. And he's wallowing in all of these things. And he's now complaining to God, which we would all say he seems justified to complain to God. And God shows up in a whirlwind. And what does he say to Job? Job, gird yourself like a man. I'm going to tell you who's God and why you have no right to complain, even if everything's going wrong in your life, right? So this idea of gird in circle with a belt, the idea is that, that back then in that culture 2,000 years ago, they would have long garments, long robes. And if you wanted to 
acts. You wanted to run. You wanted to go work in the field. You wanted to be able to move your legs high, high knees. You had to gird, pull up your garment and tie it with a belt and be ready for action. That's why we get our word, prepare your hearts and minds for action. You're prepared. So gird yourself means prepare yourself. Encircle with a belt um, to secure something to your body. That's what it means. That you can gird yourself with a sword. You can gird yourself with things. And so you're securing something to yourself. So it's encircling yourself, preparing yourself. You're preparing for action by, by securing a sword or a tool to yourself. It's preparing oneself for something difficult or challenging. So per, gird the loins of your mind. So it's no longer just garments. You're thinking sober-minded. You're getting your mind ready to receive the truth of God. You are girding the loins of your mind for deliverance. This isn't just a, a light little flitty thing we talk about. This is a serious matter. Are you prepared for God to expose areas in your life where you need deliverance? Because more often than not, where I need deliverance, I've been deceived. I don't know that I need deliverance. And so God this morning is saying, be sober-minded. Prepare your mind that you actually need deliverance. That The Holy Spirit is going to reveal something to you this morning, an area of your life where you are not free, where you're not enjoying the fullness of all that God has called you to live. Are you prepared for God to show those things, reveal those things to you so that you can give those things to God and be set free, right? So that's what we're talking about this morning. So now let's read. Let's just read. Oh, we got time, right? I got all the time in the world right now. We're going to read Acts chapter 12, the first 17 verses. So Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Let's just read the story. It starts off like this. Now about that time... Herod, the king, stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers. And the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, there's that word, gird yourself, and tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, put on your garment and follow me. So he went out and followed him. And he did not know that was, what was done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they were past the first and the second guard posts, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them on its own accord. And they went out and went down this one street. And immediately the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. But they said to her, you are beside yourself. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they said, it's his angel. Now Peter continued knocking. 
And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But motioning to them with his hand to keep silent, he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go tell these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and, he departed and went to another place. We'll stop there. So this is a story of Peter being delivered. And in this story, there were seven things that were highlighted to me that I wanted to share with you that were part of Peter's deliverance. And I feel like it's an opportunity for us to grab a hold of all of them, or at least one of them this morning, that we can get an element that will bring us our deliverance. Is that making sense? So let's look at it. The very first one in verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered. Constant prayer. I'm going to say that's the number one. Peter was delivered in direct relation to the church lifting up constant prayer. Sometimes your deliverance will only come through continued or constant prayer. I wish I could have one service of the year and call it a deliverance Sunday and we'd all be delivered for the whole year and we'd be done with it. We're not talking about deliverance anymore. But the reality is God's word is filled with, like 1 Thessalonians, right? Pray without ceasing. In other words, continually pray. Don't stop praying. What you're praying for now, don't make it a one-time prayer. Keep praying until the deliverance comes. So this is biblical, that if you, have if you have an area of your life where you need deliverance, continued prayer is a big part of it. Okay, I'm gonna actually stop in the middle of me giving these things because I was gonna wait to the end and maybe I'll recap at the end but I feel like I have to give some context. Because I think a lot of us in this room, again, I said we're deceived, like, my life is good. But I just need to give a couple of examples, and these are only a couple, there's tons in this room. But what do you need deliverance from? Because otherwise these points mean nothing. They're just kind of a fun sermon to listen to. But if you are thinking about areas of your life you need deliverance in, then maybe these things will apply, you'll be a little bit more hungry. Is that making sense? I have a list of things, but I'm just trying to think what the Holy Spirit highlights right now. All right, the word that came to my mind is stuck. Some of you are stuck, or you feel stuck, maybe. Maybe you're, I'll, I'll just come out the gate with make people, offending people. You're stuck in your finances. God wants to bless you. God wants to increase your finances, but you're stuck. I don't believe it's God's desire for you to be stuck and have limited finances. Already I'm offending people, that's okay. Some of us are stuck thinking thoughts we shouldn't be thinking about ourselves. Some of us think too lowly of ourselves, that I'm not qualified, I'm not good enough, I have this sin in my life. I have this past. I'm stuck with a pattern of thinking that I can't. And I'll say it this way, because I know this is for me. It's personal. The enemy will twist, in my mind, thoughts of I'm not good enough, at the same time with pride, thinking I'm better than that person over there. How is that possible? It seems like they're two separate things. But the reality is, if I'm thinking about myself, if I'm self-centered, I will have both twisted up together. 
I can't, I'm not good enough. Who am I? Who do I think I am? At the same time, oh, well, those people over there. It's amazing how the enemy will get me in a pattern of thinking and be stuck and I don't progress, I don't move forward. I don't have freedom in an area of my life because I'm self-centered. I'm thinking about myself. And God is saying today, he wants to deliver you from thinking about yourself all the time. I remember when I was in high school, I had a, a, a teacher say this, and I remember I was offended when he said it at first, and then I chewed on it, I was like, I think he's right. Sometimes, and I'm, I know I'm up front right now, I'm, I, I, I don't look like I'm an introvert, but I grew up being the one in, in a crowd where I didn't want to say anything, I didn't want anyone to see me, so I know what it's like to be shy. But I heard this teacher say, you know what, sometimes the most shy person in the room is actually the most selfish person in the room. And I took that, I was so offended, I'm like, what? Like, no, I, I don't want it to be all about me. I'm humble because I don't want everyone to look at me. And I realized, oh, I'm not willing to contribute and I'm fearful of what other people think. And so I never open my mouth because I'm thinking about myself all the time. Oh, he's right. I'm self-centered and that's why I'm so shy. Oh, there was nowhere in my notes, but I feel, I feel like the Lord is just saying, he wants to highlight, it doesn't matter. It's so masked. It's so where we don't understand that we need deliverance and it could be a zillion different things. I mean, I can get serious real quick. Some of you need deliverance. I mean, I can just throw out a big word. Pornography, sexual sins. I mean, I can start going. There's a lot of things in this room that people need deliverance from. But if we're not willing to say, okay, I need deliverance, then this message has no weight in your life. Some of you need deliverance to be able to keep up continued constant prayers. Well, I prayed a prayer. God, help me not to be addicted to this anymore. I said the prayer and he didn't deliver me. I think there's an element to your deliverance of how bad do you want it? It's a flippant prayer you say once in a while or you're willing to pour out your heart and say, God, I need deliverance. I mean, I'm just giving you more verses. I said, 1 Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. Psalm 34, David says this, he delivered me from all my fears. But this wasn't a one-time prayer. David was giving praise for that one instance in his life where I was fear and I was trapped. God delivered me in that situation from all my fears. And then David wrote this Psalm because he's saying it again. And he's saying it again. And he taught the rest of Israel to sing it again. God, you will deliver me from all my fears. The Lord's Prayer, right? I've quoted this before. Give us this day our daily bread, right? It's, it's this daily prayer. It's a continued prayer. It's not we say the Lord's Prayer one time, and I'm not saying it's this religious thing. You say that word for word every day of your life. I'm not trying to get you to say a religious thing. But behind what Jesus is saying is daily there should be prayer for these things. You should be Worshiping the Lord, hallowed be your name. You should be asking, forgive me. Help me to forgive others, right? These are daily things that Jesus has teaching us to pray. And in that daily thing, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for me today, right? In this thing, he says, lead me not into temptation. Daily, deliver me from evil. It wasn't a one-time prayer. It's this daily, continued, constant prayer. Deliver me, God. I need deliverance in my life again today. Show me where I need deliverance afresh and anew today. 
Open my eyes to show me where I am deceived. I want to grow. I want to mature. I don't want to stay in the same place. And I'm not going to be delivered to a higher place of intimacy with God until I'm delivered from something in my life right now. So it's this continued prayer. I was thinking about this. It took one day to get a million Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Deliverance came in one day. But it took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel's mind. So is deliverance an all of a sudden one day thing or is it a continued thing? Yes. Today is the day of salvation. I love that scripture. Because yes, it means people's names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, or it is the angels rejoice on this day where it is an altogether sudden thing. In an instant, all your sins are wiped clean, and you're made righteous and holy before God. That's an instant thing. But we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There's this daily deliverance where we've got to deliver our mindsets from the way we think. I guess I just want to hit this again. I'll be bold. There are people in this room, you need deliverance from a demon. Meaning there is a demon in your life controlling areas of your life. And there are some of us who we need deliverance from ways of thinking where the enemy is influencing. Maybe we're not possessed by a demon, but he's there constantly harassing. It says Herod was harassing the church. There are de- that wasn't just Herod a person. That was the demonic harassing the church. Us in the church were being harassed. And he's saying, I want to deliver you from the harassment. Not that you're going to be delivered from all trials and tribulations, but from them having an effect on you. Again, I've shared this before. It's my favorite thing I quote from Jack Hafer all the time, right? Faith doesn't deny the reality of difficulty. It denies that difficulty and influence on my life. I will not lose my joy. I will not lose my peace. I will not lose my excitement in running after God no matter what happens in my life externally. No matter what the enemy brings into my life, he can harass me and my joy is made complete. I consider it pure joy when the enemy harasses me. Are you there yet? If you're not, you need deliverance. Man, I'm preaching too long on the first one. We better keep going. So that was the first one. Constant prayer. Second one, there was an encounter with the word of the Lord. Peter needed an encounter. Yes, the church was praying for Peter, but deliverance didn't come until an angel showed up in that cell, that prison room, until he spoke and said, Peter, do this. Peter needed an encounter. I'll tell you, deliverance often doesn't come without an encounter. Saul on the road to Damascus was not delivered until he had an encounter with Jesus. Some of you need an encounter with the Lord. And I'll say it in a small way. Sometimes I'm delivered when I spend time in the word of the Lord, not just reading words, but the Holy Spirit highlights a rhema word and he confronts me where I'm wrong. And I realize and I apply it to my life. Wow, the way I said that yesterday to my wife, I didn't even know, but I was wrong. And God's word, I had an encounter with the correction of the word of the Lord and I had to repent. And because of that, I was delivered from that sin. And my marriage was made healthy and whole again. Instead of that being a problem in my life, I was set free. 
I had an encounter with the word of the Lord. Hmm. I don't know. I, I was thinking about Peter. Can you remember earlier in his life when someone was coming to arrest his friend in a garden? What did Peter do? Grabbed a sword. And he was going to fight his way out. Was that the story of how Peter was delivered in this prison cell? No. Too often we think we have to fight our own battles and we have to do it our way. We have, this is the way I'm going to deliver myself from this situation. And God is saying, no, actually you need an encounter with the Lord. It doesn't come by might or power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You need an encounter with the Holy Spirit and then you're going to have deliverance. He'll give you wisdom of how to do that. It's not, you can't deliver yourself. There was an encounter. I'm going to move on. We'll go quicker because I got to get through all of these. So first one, constant prayer. Second one, encounter with the word of the Lord. Third one, gird yourself. I'm just kind of going in order. Verse five, verse six, we're kind of, that was the word, right? The angel showed up and told Peter, gird yourself, prepare yourself. Understand that in order for you to walk through this deliverance, it's not, God waving a magical wand and you do nothing. There's a partnership. If you want to be delivered, it means you're willing to let go of something and grab a hold of something different. You've got to prepare yourself for action to actually do something. I'll say this, I'm saying lots of things. Your deliverance is related to your preparation to walk it out. If you aren't prepared to walk in freedom, then God isn't gonna bring it to you, right? God was bringing the Israelites to the promised land to be fully enjoying all that he had for them. They weren't prepared. So he said, all right, 40 years, let's get you prepared for 40 years. Let's get Egypt out of you so that you no longer think of yourself as a slave and as a victim, Victimhood had to get out of there. They weren't ready to rule and reign because they had the wrong mindset. They weren't ready. I'm not putting it all on you, but God is saying deliverance comes with your willingness to actually partner with it. I'll just be real. I've had people come for prayer for things and they wanted deliverance. And I prayed almost in a sense like, God, just do it. And after they left, I prayed, I, I realized in my spirit, it didn't matter how good I prayed, it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't that I didn't pray good enough or I didn't pray the right things, the Holy Spirit. It wasn't on me that they weren't delivered. And I'm, I, that sounds arrogant, but I'm just giving you understanding there's wisdom behind deliverance. If you're not willing to walk out in obedience, it's not going to do you any good to be delivered. <laughs> Worse, exactly. Are you prepared for your deliverance? I'm going to keep moving on. Gird yourself. The next thing he said, all right, gird yourself. And then he said, put on your garment. Right away when I read that, this is what's in my brain all the time from Isaiah 61 because I've read that chapter out so many times. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Some of us need to be delivered from a spirit. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Put 
the garment on. Put your hope in God. Put on a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. You want to be delivered? Are you willing to start rejoicing and praising God in the midst of anything? I, there's a song, right? Uh, was it Brian and Katie Torwald? I think they sing it. I will praise before my breakthrough. I'll put on a garment of praise and I will bless the Lord at all times before I get my breakthrough. I'll thank him before I get any element of that coming real into my life. See, I love it. I associated the same thing to the prodigal son where the father put on a garment over his sinful son. He didn't deserve to wear that garment he still was filthy with all the pig mud all over him. He still had filth all over him. Before he even took a bath, the father covered him in a garment. You don't have to clean up your life to get deliverance. You just come and say, I'm going to obey and put on a garment. I feel this way. I look this way. I sound this way. But I'm going to put on this garment anyways. Right? I love that the songs the last decade, this is how I fight my battles. I raise a hallelujah. It's important that the church learns this truth, that we learn how to fight for our own deliverance. And it comes from putting on a garment of praise. I just, I, too often people think, well, I'm just discouraged. Maybe it's a spirit of heaviness and you need deliverance. I'm just going to say it. There's more than one person in this room that your joy is not full. Your gladness in life, your contentment in life is not overflowing. And God is saying, I want to deliver you from a place of stagnant joy, of joy from a long time ago to a fresh new joy. That the joy of your salvation would be your strength the joy of your fresh deliverance today, you'd walk out of here with renewed strength. But it's connected to your praise. And I'm so glad we're going to end with praise and worship because you get an opportunity to put on that garment of praise. All right, so the next one, I don't even know how many numbers we're on. Is that three? Four. So here we go. So he was told to gird himself, put on your garment. What if he would have girded himself, put on his garment, and the angel said, all right, follow me, and started walking out the room, and Peter stayed right where he was at? He wouldn't have been delivered. He had to follow. He had to obey. So the next, the fourth one is follow and obey. Five? Whatever one we're on. What are we on? I don't know. Constant prayer, encounter, gird yourself, put on your garments. You're right. Five, follow and obey. Follow and obey. Good. See, you guys are paying attention. Good. Note takers. Follow and obey. I, I love, you're stuck with me thinking, I grew up in a church, so I, all the old songs and hymns, right? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And I love that, that word happy in the New Testament, blessed, happy. It's the same word. There's no other way to have the blessings of God come into your life than to trust and obey. There's blessing in obedience. You will not be delivered from a place of lack, from a place of being stuck, from a place of being under the influence of the enemy. You will not be in a place of blessing until you obey. You can cry out for deliverance all you want, but if you don't walk out in obedience, 
You're not going to walk in deliverance. You're not going to walk in the new blessings that God has for your life. Peter had to obey what the angel was saying. He didn't get to fight the way that he was equipped to do. He was, he was a big, burly man. If you read the stories, right, it talks about Peter, that all by himself, he was dragging in that net full of fish. I mean, he was like the, old, he was like, he was the leader of the disciples, right? He was probably the oldest. It doesn't say, I just picture Peter as the buffest, biggest dude in, in the disciples. He was the most bold, the most unafraid. All right, I'll say it. It's definitely for me, maybe it's just for me, maybe you're one other person in the room. Even politically, as we just voted and all these other things, sometimes I think, well, if I just vote the right person, if I just do this to activate the church, and if I just fight this way, we'll have political deliverance in our nation. We'll have a spiritual revival. And God is saying, don't fight the way Peter fights in his flesh. Are you willing to obey what the Spirit says? I mean, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but I'll tell you, I've told you several times before. During the pandemic, if you were left to your pastor making every decision for this church based off of my own politics, based off of my own thinking, we would have defied everything, not just the government said to do, the Holy Spirit told us as a church to do. And I say that tongue in cheek because I'm telling you, I didn't like doing what we did. I didn't like listening to the government. So hopefully it tells you something there. And I'm not saying we're better than any other church that did it a different way. I'm not judging anybody else. I'm just saying, I know God has called us to listen to the Holy Spirit. Not to say, well, God, what about them over there? That's, that was Peter, even in John 21. When you heard that word gird, what did Peter do? Well, Jesus, what about John? What's gonna happen to him? He said, don't worry about John. I'm telling you what's gonna happen to you. Don't worry what other churches are doing. Don't what other, you listen to me. You do things the way I'm telling you to do them. Not the way they do them, not what I, the plans I have for them. I have plans for you. So Peter, follow me. Osborne Neighborhood Church, follow me. Follow the Holy Spirit. Deliverance will come as we follow the Holy Spirit. All right, that was five, so six. Oh, I'll say this before the end of five. Obedience is our part. Deliverance is God's part. Number six. So after he walked out of those gates and was walking down the street, six, he came to a house, the house of gathering. He came to the house of gathering. In a sense, he went, he wasn't staying isolated by himself. He came, he forsook not the assembly of the saints. He gathered together because I'm going to tell you, often your deliverance is connected I'll say it this way. Actually, I wrote it down. Let me find it. Your level of deliverance is related to your level of connection to the body of Christ. If you are a lone wolf, good luck on your deliverance. I, I just want to point it out. In the Western world that I grew up in, this, I don't know, progressive thinking, it's all about my personal relationship with God. I think I quoted it last week, right? That 54% that of Americans think that their relationship with God is 100% individual, personal. I'm like, are you reading the Bible? Because about 99% of the time when it says the bride of Christ, it's talking about the church. I know I can say it in my prayer closet, I am my beloved's and he is mine. I don't feel like that's wrong to say I'm in a personal love relationship with Jesus. I know I am. 
But almost every time the reference of the, the bride of Christ is the church. I'm a member of the body. If I'm not connected to a body, good luck on growing in deliverance. I'm blind without the church. Without another spiritual person that I can submit myself to. Submit to one another. As iron sharpens iron, right? There's this idea that my deliverance isn't just between my relationship with God. I need my deliverance in my relationship with others. And if I'm going to be a monk all by myself, isolated from the rest of the world, I'm not growing in deliverance. I've got to be connected to the body of Christ. And it's going to take work. But it's going to take, I didn't really get to all, the, all my D's last Sunday, right? But it's discipline. I need discipline, not just from God, from the body of Christ. Your deliverance is directly related to your connection with the body of Christ. All right, last one, right, seven? He ended with Peter saying, go tell these things. Open up your mouth and testify of your deliverance. Right? Revelation, we quote all the time. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You overcome or you get deliverance from the enemy by your testimony. This came to my mind right away when I thought of this. Deliverance begets deliverance. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That means what he did for me, he can do for you. That when I begin to testify of how God has delivered me, it creates an atmosphere, an opportunity for God to bring deliverance in someone else's life. I'll say it maybe on the reverse way. If your mouth is not open to testify of what God has delivered you from, good luck on getting a new deliverance from God. I heard this said before and I connected to deliverance. People say that, I've heard pastors and leaders say this, if you're having a hard time hearing the voice of God, you just can't hear his voice, maybe go back to the very last time you heard his voice. Did you obey it? Because he's not gonna speak something new until you obeyed the last thing he said. Maybe you're not gonna get a fresh new deliverance until you start opening your mouth and testifying how good God is for the last deliverance he brought in your life. Because deliverance begets deliverance. As I begin to testify and praise God and publicly tell people how he's delivered me from this, oh, God's saying, all right, let's bring more deliverance to that man because he's gonna bring me more glory. I wanna testify as David, he delivered me from all my fears. Not just one of them, but I'm gonna keep declaring. If he brought me, delivered me from one fear, I'm gonna keep testifying of that one fear he delivered me from until he brings me to another one. Oh, he delivered me of two fears until it's all of them. Hmm. All right, really quick. That was just seven elements. I'm gonna go back really quick because I didn't fit these in. But here's some phrases in the verses we read that I felt like had to be highlighted again. In verse five, I know I'm breaking some words in between, but it says this in verse five. Peter was in prison, but the church. <clears throat> mm -hmm. 
the head of the church, the most prominent leader needed deliverance. But the church. Peter didn't bring his own deliverance. The church. Bondage and slavery happens inside the church. But the church is anointed to set the captives free. I'm not saying Peter deserved to be in bondage. But if Peter needed deliverance, is it possible you need deliverance? I just try to hit that home. Because it's not for, again, it's not for those people out there. It's not for the demonized. It's like, it was for Peter. If Peter needed deliverance, are you willing to say, I need deliverance? If Peter needed the body of Christ for his deliverance, might you need the body of Christ for your deliverance? Move to the next one, this phrase in verse six. Herod was about to, but Peter was sleeping and bound. I don't know, this is not trying to throw shame on Peter. But this wasn't the first time Peter was found sleeping when he should have been praying. I'm not, maybe Peter was resting because God was just blessing him with good rest. It's a blessing to get sleep and rest. But there's a time and a place for every blessing from God. And I'm just telling you, I don't think this was the time and place to be resting because it says that Herod was about to. It says that James one of his best friends, remember Peter, James, and John, the inner circle? James was just killed. Peter was arrested immediately after that. He knew he was about to die. He knew Passover. He knew Herod was waiting for Passover to end, and he knew it was the very last night. He knew that when he woke up in the morning, he was going to die. Peter knew that. And yet he was sleeping. It took the angel to kick Peter in the side. Wake up! He didn't come up in a gentle dream. He had to wake Peter up. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Couldn't you pray with me for one hour? The spirit is willing, but your flesh, Peter, is so stinking weak. Could it be that the Holy Spirit is saying today, church, wake up! Herod is about to. But the church, the enemy is about to swallow up America, but the church. Are we going to wake up revival? Are we going to wake up? Hmm. I love this. Verse seven. A light shone in the prison and his chains fell. It doesn't matter how dark, how deep, how demonic your prison cell is. The light can shine and your chains can fall. Like I said, sometimes it's a progression. Sometimes it's continued prayer, but sometimes it's an and suddenly. If you read the story again, Peter didn't have to do anything to have the chains fall. All he had to do was wake up. Peter, wake up. 
The light shone in and the chains fell off. Then to walk out his deliverance, yes, there were things Peter had to do, but Peter did nothing to earn or deserve it. It was by grace he was saved. And I'm going to say this. Scripture says that Jesus is the light of the world. And I say amen to that. But then Jesus turns around and says, you are the light of the world. You are to be a light in the darkness and have chains fall off. We are not just to be delivered here today. We are to be commissioned to be deliverers today. There are people in this room that need to be delivered today. And God wants to use someone else in this room to be a deliverer. It's not going to come just from God waving a wand, but the church is going to do something and be the light today. We are going to shine in dark places today and chains are going to fall off. Last one. Verse 16. Now Peter continued knocking and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The one who was delivered, Peter, was the one that kept on knocking. He kept on knocking on the door of the unbelieving Christian's heart. He wasn't going to the, the, those that weren't saved. Peter went to the house where people were saved, that were praying for him. He went to the house of God and began knocking. Your deliverance draws near. Wake up, your deliverance is at hand. Sounds a lot like Jesus. And the people inside the house had no ears to hear. Oh, it's not Peter. They were praying for Peter's deliverance. And they didn't believe it was Peter. I, I don't know you, but that tells me their prayers probably weren't the prayers they should have been praying. They weren't praying from a place of victory. If they were, they should have been expecting Peter to be on their doorstep any moment. That's not how they were praying. They didn't have the faith to believe that Peter was actually there. They came up, they had enough faith to believe it was an angel. I, I don't know how that, I, I really don't. I, I'm not blaming them. I'm just saying I don't understand that logic. But I'll say it this way. Sometimes the enemy gives us theology that doesn't make any sense. But in the house, it makes sense with everybody else. Peter, it made no sense. The delivered one said, what is wrong with these people? But the people that were praying together, they had the same theology. And they were astonished to see Peter. I'm telling you, the day is coming when inside the church, the body of Christ, those that are delivered are going to keep knocking on the doors of the Christians and saying, your deliverance draws near. And they're going to open the door. They're going to be astonished and they're going to welcome in that same deliverance. Peter, you're delivered. I want that same deliverance. Revival is coming, but I'm not saying it's for them out there. It's today here for us. Some of us in our mindset, we're thinking one way and God is saying, I want to deliver you today. Your deliverance often doesn't come the way you think it's going to come. They were praying for deliverance and were astonished when God actually did it because it was outside their logic, outside their way of thinking. It didn't line up with their theology. 
Well, God, please offend my theology. Offend my way of thinking. Don't be limited to the way I pray, God. Bring deliverance however you want to bring deliverance. Because I'm so hungry and so desperate for it, I want it in any form it comes. As the worship team comes up, and we're going to end with some worship. Are you hungry for deliverance? I'm hungry for my own life, but I'm also hungry to bring it to others. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't mean this judgmental, but I see way too many Christians who aren't enjoying life. They are under the influence of the enemy. I, I don't, I'm telling you, I don't know how many times I've said it. I'm the worst lawyer in the world. If you want me to argue you out of your theology and believe my theology, I, don't ask me to do it. I, I don't, I'm not gifted in that area. But my heart is so bent. I don't know how many times I tell you, I'm probably not a great evangelist because I'm not just caring about your eternal salvation. I'm a care, I care so much. I feel like I've been commissioned not just to win souls to Christ, but to have people actually enjoy life. I've been burdened. I'm telling you, I don't know, I don't know why God keeps bringing it up because it's just seared in my memory. I think it was the first sermon I ever preached from this platform. I know I've said it so many times, but it's just ingrained in me. I was talking and it was a side point. I just said, raise your hand. You don't have to do it right now. But in that moment, 10, I don't know, 15 years ago, raise your hand if you ever heard Jesus tell you he loves you. And I just grew up in this church. And I assumed everyone's going to raise their hand. And to see such a small portion of people raise their hand in my own church, I don't remember the rest of the sermon. I don't remember anything else that happened today. I just remember my heart was so hurt that there were Christians, there were brothers and sisters in my family who didn't have the same joy, who didn't have the same peace, who didn't have deliverance and fullness of life. And I'm not saying I have all of it, but I love my life. And I recognize not everyone else loves their life. And I'm saying today, I'm offering to you, I, in a sense, I'm not Peter, but I'm like Peter. I'm just knocking on your door today. There's joy in my life that I want you to have. I want you to experience fullness of life. And in any area, as the Holy Spirit just stirs those up, is there in any area you are stuck? Holy Spirit, would you reveal those things to us right now? If there's disobedience in my life, Sin, an area I keep sinning and I'm addicted to that sin, I want to be delivered. If I have unforgiveness towards someone and bitterness, I want deliverance. I mean, I'm just making, I talked about political. If I hear my president, the vice president, someone in office speak, I feel anger in my heart. I want to be delivered from that. I could go, I could spend the next three hours coming up with things, but Holy Spirit, you know to highlight things in our life. Are you hungry to be set free from the influence of the enemy?
I invite you to take one of, if not all of these points today. Maybe it's time to put on that garment of praise. Maybe it's time to lift up a prayer again. You prayed a prayer and nothing changed and so you haven't prayed it again. Today may be the day that you prayed again. Maybe you've come forward for prayer and nothing changed. Come forward again. Maybe you need an encounter with the Lord. It's time to stop kicking against the goads like Saul was. The Holy Spirit had been pursuing Saul again and again, and he kept rejecting it. He kept rejecting it until an encounter happened, and he fell on his face. And he humbly submitted to the King of Kings. There's someone in this room that is the presence of God is filling the temple. You're gonna be like the demoniac when Jesus stepped onto that land and made his presence known. That man came running to Jesus. All the demons, thousands of demons could not keep that man from worshiping. And in his worship, those demons were cast out. That man was delivered and had a right mind and was able to put on garments and was a sign and a wonder and became a testimony of Jesus' deliverance. So that later, that entire town became Christ followers. On that day, they rejected him. But that testimony of that demoniac for the next days and weeks and months, the next time Jesus returned to that same land, thousands began following Jesus. God, I'm praying that what you do here today has a ripple effect. God, I'm burdened that it's not just one or two here today. That revival springs up today. That in my family, my brother, my sister, my grandpa, my child, they're going to experience revival because you did something in my life today. God, when I go back to work tomorrow, something's going to change in my workplace because you did a change in me today. So come, Holy Spirit, come in this worship, in this adoration of you. Come. In fact, would you just stand and begin to worship the Lord as they lead us in actual songs? Would you just begin to worship even now before a song rises up? Let it rise up in your own heart. Praise your name. Praise your name, Lord. Praise.